0: morning church, our scripture reading this morning will come from the book of 1st Corinthians, so if you have a copy of God's word and would like to follow along, find your way to chapter 15 in 1st Corinthians, we'll be reading verses 12 and 13 and then dropping down in verses 20 through 26. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the word of the Lord for the church today.
1: Well, good morning to you. As we open our message, I wanted you to hear a little bit more from Jacob Mitchell Shim. Five years ago, it was five years ago when that video was filmed, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot has changed, you know. In, in five years, we've eaten a lot of Bojangles biscuits together, been on some trips, some mission trips together, but his name has changed. We, we used to call him Jake or Jacob, now, affectionately, Mitch. So this morning I wanted you to hear a little bit more from Mitch about what happened in his life five years ago, but what's going on in his life today um, in thinking about the the Apostles' Creed. So, Jacob, why do you think five years ago when you were confessing your faith for baptism, why did you include the, the Apostles' Creed in your testimony?
2: Because I think it's important to recognize that I'm broken, I'm flawed, I cannot save myself, and that's when Jesus steps into my life. Okay,
1: so you were confessing your faith, and so when you were saying that you believe in Jesus Christ, were those words from your heart? Yes, sir. But the Apostles' Creed, did that help you give, give you those words to say? Yes, sir. Good, good. All right. And I'm guessing that that was five years ago, but you didn't, you didn't cram and try to learn the Apostles' Creed like right before the video, right? Right. <laughs> right. When, when did you, when do you think you learned the Apostles' Creed?
2: Probably in middle school.
1: Middle school? Okay, okay. So, so you, what you learned in middle school, it impacted you five years ago, but it, it's impacting you today in what you believe, is that right? Yes, sir. All right, so a word to the, to the middle schoolers or other, would, would you recommend that they, they learn the Apostles' Creed? Probably. Probably? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Taking the middle road here. Yeah, so probably. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing, right? All right, so so in the Apostles' Creed, we are, are learning about Christ. Let's, let's recite together the, the, the section about what we believe about Jesus Christ. I believe.
2: I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, all our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered and appointed by it was crucified, died, and buried. The, the third day,
1: uh, Yeah, 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 we always get tricked up on that one. He descended.
2: He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the...
1: He rose again. Yep, yep, yep. Perfect. So we, we are learning, and what you are confessing, and what we are confessing as a church is, is a significant aspect. It's not just that Jesus is my Savior. It's not just Jesus is my Lord, but you are learning to confess some significant truths. When you say that on the third day... He rose again. What do, you, what do you think it means that Jesus rose again?
2: I think in doing so, um, God has given Jesus authority over sin and death, and he's telling us not to live in our sin and shame.
1: That's good, man. I, I think that's exactly... Exactly right, and if you want to preach my sermon in just a few minutes, you just started it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we owe it all, of it too, <laughs> all right, all right, so, so the authority of, of the resurrection, so how does that, how does that impact your life today?
2: Um, it's given me a hope for my future, that I'm not in control of my life, and I don't really need to be, okay. I don't really want to be, actually, and, um, it's just a good reminder to just um, stay in the Word and keep on praying, keep on pressing forward, and just keep on hoping.
1: So, so the, the, the resurrection of Jesus impacts you today. What about in the, in the future? As you think about your last day here in this world and, and, and your eternal life in Christ, how does the resurrection of Jesus help you think about that distant future?
2: I think um, it helps me think about it because in the Bible it says, "Don't like lay up treasure like lay up treasures in heaven, right. not on this earth." And um, in like when you lay up treasures in heaven, you like seek the things that are above.
1: I am, I am thankful. Thank you for sharing with us. Let me let me pray for you and that the, the words of the scriptures through what we confess together as a church would continue to shape you and, and give you hope, but also give you a ministry to share with others, brother. Let me pray for you. Lord, uh, I thank you for my brother Jake, for Mitch, for the gift that he is to me and to this church. Lord, I thank you for the way that you are using him and molding him, him into a disciple who is really influencing others, and Lord, I thank you for his belief in the gospel. I thank you for his ministry here, and pray that you would continue to bless him as he serves this place and this community, as he works at Carillion. Lord, I pray that you would help him, even with his friends who don't know the gospel, that you would give him boldness to, to share with them. Lord, give him clarity to know how and what to share. Lord, even as he speaks of believing in you, we know those things to be true. I pray that he would help others as well pray all this in the powerful name of Christ, our Savior, the Resurrected One. Amen. All right, and so while I've got him on, on public record, I did want to ask you one more question. So there's something going on back here. Is the mullet coming back?
2: <laughs> um, sure, I guess. I mean, I don't know if my mom's okay with it, but I'm not trying to point fingers.
1: But that's Jacob did such a nice job, I'd hate to get you in trouble this last, like, one minute, so <laughs> thanks, man, have a seat. <laughs> it is it is good to for us to confess our, our faith, and even as we were thinking about this series, there was this video five years ago that came to mind, thinking of a, of a young man who was confessing his faith before baptism utilizing the Apostles' Creed. We think there is value in us learning our faith and learning to confess our faith. So Jacob, thank you for, for sharing. I know it's not, a lot of people don't like to get up in front of others and share, but Jacob, he was very willing, and thank you for, for sharing with us. This morning, we're continuing to think about the resurrection of Christ as worded in the Apostles' Creed. Seven simple words, very simply written, but but the impact that these words have on our life and on our faith and really on our world are really significant. On the third day, he rose again. On the third day, he rose, again, seven simple words. But the impact on our faith is significant. Well, there are many things that we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Bible, who God the Father is. There are so many things about our faith that are important, that really build a structure for our belief. The resurrection of Jesus is, I would say, a linchpin tenant of our faith. And do and you know what a linchpin is? It's, a, it's on a cart or a trailer. You've got the axle, you've got the wheel that's in, in the rim that's being put onto the axle, and then there's a small little pin that keeps the, the axle wheel together. And if you pull that pin out, what happens to the load? It all collapses, right? Because you start moving the, the cart moving the trailer, and the, without the linchpin, the, the wheel falls out, the whole thing begins to fall apart. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of those key tenets of what we believe, that if you pull it, the whole thing falls apart. That's what the Apostle Paul is, is writing about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, one of the most clear teachings of the resurrection is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So um, Pete read earlier, thank you, Pete. Um, Open your Bible back to 1 Corinthians 15, and let's walk through the Apostle Paul in this whole chapter, 58 verses, is is detailing out the significance of the resurrection. But in verses 14 through 19, he describes what would happen if you pulled that linchpin. If there was no such thing as a resurrection of Jesus Christ, what happens to our faith? And really the, the argument that he is making, it's pretty bleak. So let's look at this, these verses and glean what would happen if Jesus did not rise from the dead? All right, verse 14. Look there with me. If Jesus did not rise, then our preaching and our faith is vain or empty. It's it's hollow. There's there's nothing to it. If, If Jesus did not rise, there's nothing to our faith. It's just like an empty canister. All right, verse 15. If Jesus was not resurrected, then we are misrepresenting God, or literally, we are bearing false witness. We're breaking even one of of God's Ten Commandments. If, If Jesus did not raise from the dead, if he's not raised from the dead, then we are misrepresenting God. Verse 17, the first part. If Jesus is still dead, then our faith is futile. 17b, without the resurrection, you and I are still in our sins. There is no forgiveness of our sins. Could you imagine that? Think about the the record of debt, Colossians 2, that stood against us. If you were to calculate all of your sins in your entire life, just the ones that you can remember, how long of a list would that be? If Jesus Christ is still in the grave, then that list of wrongs is still weighing us down. And we can never get out from underneath that. If Jesus Christ did not raise, we are still in our sins. Verse 18, if Jesus is still in the grave, those who have died previously, who who are dead, they are perishing, are being destroyed, and so will we. So without the resurrection of Jesus, we will be destroyed. Now, this is basketball season, so I was talking to a a fifth grader about his upward basketball team, and I said, "How'd you guys play the other night?" And he said, "We destroyed the other team." And I was like, "It's a little graphic, you know. You didn't have to. <laughs> let's have a little. Let's give you the, the the white star for sportsmanship, you know. It's not like talk about the <laughs> opponents quite like that." But but what he's trying to say is, yeah, we would be destroyed, utterly destroyed, without the resurrection. When we die, there is no hope. Verse 19, we are to be pitied for our empty, hollow faith. All right, so the resurrection of Jesus literally is a linchpin. You pull that thing out, and the whole thing falls apart. What Paul is saying, if Jesus didn't rise, it's bad news for us. All right, we're still in our sins. We're misrepresenting God. We will perish under the weight of our sins. But look at verse 20. Read the first word in verse 20 and find hope. Verse 20 says, but. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. If he hadn't, it's pretty bad news. But here's the good news there is a but. And that this, but it is factual that Jesus Christ has gone into the grave and then three days later he has defeated death itself, sin and Satan, the things that would hold us in the grave. And so this morning we are going to examine 1 Corinthians 15 and see the implications that The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the the reality that it has on our lives today. Just like I asked Mitch a few minutes ago, what is the resurrection of Jesus? How does it impact your life today, and how does it impact you on that last day? That's the the two questions we're going to try to address this morning. Looking firstly, how does the resurrection of Jesus impact our lives today? Well, first. We live under the authority of Jesus Christ. We live under the authority of Jesus Christ, who is risen. In the Gospels, and and just a few months ago, we spent some time as a church walking through the the Gospel of John. And and when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus has a significant authority. He, He teaches with great authority, right? He has the authority to forgive sins. No one else had that authority. Jesus has the authority to cast out demons. He has the authority over diseases. He heals the sick. He has authority over Satan himself, over earthly rulers. He has the authority over Pilate. Do you remember that conversation in John 19? He has the authority to to execute judgment. Jesus is a man of authority. But we see something in John 10, and later in the resurrection. John 10, Jesus says, I have the authority to lay down my life, right? What else does Jesus say? I have not only the authority to to lay down my life, but to do what? To take it up again. Jesus has authority, But all of those things that we see in in the Gospels, and while they are significant, while they are manifestations of the power of Jesus, they are child's play compared to what actually happens in the resurrection. When Jesus actually died, when he laid in a tomb, and then the power and authority that we have never seen before, that he came out of. Tomb. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a, a, a power and authority that we have never seen before. There were great teachers, of course. There were people who were able to heal others. But this kind of power that Jesus demonstrates in the resurrection is like no other authority. Look at what Paul says in verse 20. Let's continue reading 1 Corinthians 15, 20-26. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Listen for the authority language here. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Okay, so he's saying, all right, Adam Through Adam came death to all people. But there is one way for us to receive life. That is through Jesus Christ. Verse 23. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to him. Then comes the end. When he delivers, or some translations say, when he ushers in the kingdom of God to the Father. The, the kingdom of God the father after destroying every rule and authority and power so this is this is another aspect of, of Jesus' authority because he has risen from the grave he has the authority to usher in the kingdom of God all right so our, our service is pretty full today. Maybe we had some ushers bring some people in and help you find a seat. An, an usher's job, they're, they're to kind of walk alongside of you, help you kind of help you get through the chaos of having a few hundred people in a, in a small space. They're, they're trying to help you lay aside these things to help you find your place, right? What Paul is saying here is that Jesus Christ is ushering in not just a person, not just a group of people, he's ushering in, he's he's bringing in the kingdom of God. And how he's going to do that is he is going to lay aside every evil power. He's not just going to push them aside. What does that say in verse, I think, 23? What does it say? 23 or 24? He's going to destroy them. All right, he's bringing this one, this one is going to Bring in the entire kingdom of God by destroying every rule, every authority, every power that would seek to come against the kingdom of God. This is not, this is a power. You don't want to stand against this risen Jesus. He is ushering in the kingdom of God. All right, and then continues. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. He is able to destroy death. And then as you continue to read, he's going to almost mock death. Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Jesus has defeated death. And here's the good news, here's what we believe, this is when we confess the creed, this is what we say, we believe that these things are true, and because of that, it's not some belief out here, but this impacts how we live our lives today. We don't just believe in a risen Savior. We believe that the risen Savior is with us and is walking with us. And he's not just ushering into the kingdom of God later in life. He is walking with us in life and even through our death into eternity. We walk with the risen Christ. Have you ever gone anywhere with someone like really important, like walked into a sporting event with someone who's got like some some good seats? You know, you feel like you're, you're... you're walking around with the, with the boss man or walking around with someone who's important. You know, you kind of start to feel important when you're walking around and, you know, you walk in through the tunnel at the, the Coliseum. Instead of going up like we normally do, you start to go down towards the seats. Yeah, you feel like, oh, man, I got some stuff going on. Well, that was kind of what, that's the sentiment that, um, yeah, we, we, I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with my son. Actually, my, my wife was re- relaying this conversation with my youngest son, Luke, who's six years old, and he's in kindergarten, and his, his mind is pretty sharp, and he's starting to figure things out, and they were riding in the car, and Lauren was recounting this conversation that she was having with Luke, and he said something to the effect, you know, when I get older, when I grow up, I want to be a pastor, and uh, you know, Lauren's like, okay, that's pretty cool, Luke, why, why do you want to be a pastor? And he goes on to explain, again, this is basketball season, we're, we're knee-deep, and in Upward Basketball. He says, if I were a pastor on Saturdays at the Upward Basketball game, I could go to the snack bar and get anything I wanted. (laughs) I'm gonna tell you, this job's got some key benefits. I mean, we got chili dogs, we got goldfish, we we got popcorn, and it's true. He's seen it from the source. His dad going and getting anything he wants from the snack bar. In his mind, he sees power and authority as we walk up and I say, son, let me, all of this could be yours.
2: <laughs> right. so,
1: that's, as Christians, we tap into, we don't have the authority ourselves. We, we are, we, we, re, we recognize our limited authority. But we, we tap into and we walk with the risen Savior. And because of that, the authority of Christ reigns in our life. Because he lives, he is the ultimate one that has authority not just in the world and not just in the future, but he has that authority in our lives. I've been thinking this week, what are the things that, that seem to speak with authority in your life? What are the things that seem to have authority over you to to hold you captive? Not the good things like parental authority or, or governing laws or civic leaders, not those things. But what are the rulers and the powers and the authorities that are holding you captive? Is it fear? Is it fear of the opinion of others? Fear of your future? Man, those things speak with authority in our lives, right? A hundred compliments, but someone says something negative to you, what do you replay in your mind? Man, that seems to have authority in our lives. Maybe it's not the future that you're worried about. You're, You're fearful that your past will come up, and people will know who you really are. We find ourselves in a culture that speaks with authority. We we find ourselves in a a culture that speaks with an authority that is different from what we believe and confess here in our church community. I'd like to speak to our our students and and our young adults for a moment about the authority that the culture has around us. I know it is difficult for some of our students right now, who live and who are immersed in a culture that is very different from what we believe in the Christian gospel. And that culture around us speaks with an authority. The culture that we live in, it But particularly our students, where they are, they feel pressure uniquely. And it has a set of rules, and it has authority to enforce those rules. And I'm thinking particularly about the cultural shift that's happened in the last five to ten years, particularly with gender identification and sexual orientation. The world that our students are, are facing on the bus in their schools, through social media, with their friends, and with people that that they don't even know, there is a cultural message that is all around them, all around you, that is speaking with authority against the things that maybe you've grown up to believe, or sorting through if I do believe those things. They're speaking loudly, and they do have a lot of authority. Some of you may lose friends if they found out what you believed. Some of you may be a minority on a college campus, and that's a hard place to be. And I understand that this is a difficult subject and and, and pursuit to navigate. But let me offer you words of hope. The culture of this world has always stood against and opposed the Christian faith. Throughout the centuries, many have tried, and now many are trying to stop the gospel from going forth throughout the world. But they cannot prevail. Cultures will shift. Leaders will change. They will soon fade and ultimately die. Opposition will come and go, for they are finite. And while their influence and their authority may seem strong, they are not the most powerful. Every political leader, every celebrity spokesperson, every college professor, every person on that bus will eventually die. But Jesus is alive, and his authority is like it, is so different from any other authority in our world. And it's not just our students who are facing this culture that is speaking with authority into their lives and influencing them. Adults, we are so, the, the, the society around us, the culture that speaks about power and wealth and influence and materialism and, and status and, and the things that we drive and the places we live, those things are speaking as loudly and with as much authority into our lives, and we are believing them. And this is a dangerous place for us to believe. But the hope of the gospel is that Jesus speaks louder. And because he died and then rose again, he speaks with a different authority, a more powerful authority. And he speaks to us and says that authority which he has will be with us. You're familiar with the Great Commission, right? The way that Matthew's gospel ends We often think about the Great Commission of of going to the nations, and we have to go to the nations. We think about discipleship, and we have to be involved with discipleship. But listen to this Great Commission verse, these Great Commission verses, under the, the guise of authority and the power of the risen Christ. Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am what? I am with you to the end of the age. All right, this this great commission has a lot of significance, and we ought to be obedient and take the gospel, but we cannot miss the part that Jesus, the one with ultimate authority, All authority in heaven and on earth has promised to be with us. Wherever you go, you may go to the nations or you may go to your bus stop. You may go around the world or you may go to your office cubicle. The gospel is with you through the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, Lo, I will be with you some of the time. About half the time. When it's convenient and and maybe when there aren't difficult things happening. No, I will be with you Always the duration, what? To the end of the age. And he is going to then come and usher in the kingdom of God. That is our hope. Our hope is not that our culture will just relent on some of these issues, because it won't. Our hope is in the risen Savior who has come to defeat and to to bring in victory victory and to come in authority. So we follow, not the culture, we follow the risen Savior. So the second aspect that we see in these, these verses in our time is, is very limited this morning, is our, our hope for tomorrow is also dependent on the resurrected Christ. Our hope for today is in Jesus' resurrection. But our hope for tomorrow, because Jesus has defeated death, we can have hope for the future. Let's just read quickly verses 42 through 49. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable. He's given this um, juxtaposition here. He's kind of bouncing back and forth between our, our earthly bodies and what our heavenly bodies will be like, what our future will be like. He says, what is sown is perishable today. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it's raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Listen to this. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Jesus Christ has come to give us life. He's come to give us life now, and that life will continue through all eternity. We believe in a real bodily, physical resurrection. And our understanding of eternal life is that we will be with Christ in a real place, resurrected, not perishable, imperishable, not weak, but powerful, not natural, spiritual, for we will bear the image of, of God. As we think about the resurrection, as we think about these seven simple words, on the third day he rose again. Simple words. But the implications that they have for our life now and our future are huge. I want to encourage you, wherever you find yourself today, maybe you are still considering the Christian faith. Maybe you're one of our our students, one of our teenagers, who's getting a barrage of ideas from the culture around you. Or maybe you're an adult and you're in the exact same place. Those ideas maybe just look a little bit different. I would encourage you to turn to the source. Turn to the one who is all-powerful. Turn to the one who will not die, but defeated death. Turn to Jesus Christ, who was raised on the third day. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need you. We live the sin within us, the world around us, and and Satan, the evil one that seeks to destroy us. Lord, sometimes the pressure seems too much for us. And yet we give you thanks and praise that on the third day, you rose again. Lord, our confidence today is not in our own merits, our own good works. It is not in how sharp our minds are to be able to ward off the things of this world, Lord. But our hope is in you and you alone. And I thank you that you have defeated sin. You have defeated the evil one. And Lord, the last enemy that we see here recorded in 1 Corinthians 15, you defeated death. And because of that, we can have life. Lord, I pray for us as a church. I pray that we would strengthen one another to live in a way that is godly and holy. We would, we would help one another as we disciple our children and disciple one another to, to shut out the voices that are not truth. And that we would follow you, the risen Christ, today, tomorrow, and forever. Lord, we thank you that all authority in heaven and on earth are, are yours, and that you have promised to be with us, even to the end of the age. That is our hope, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.